Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm thrilled today to be talking about the Netflix series, The Recruit. We are joined today by actor and executive producer, Noah Centineo, along with actress, Laura Haddock, and creator and showrunner, Alexi Hawley. And Alexi, I wanted to start with a question for you about the tone of this show, because you've said that one of the things that you always love to do in your writing is to really create these, these balances and flows between different tones, which is something that you've absolutely done with this series, where it's a mix of drama, there's thriller elements, there's also comedic aspects to it. And so I was interested in in the writing process and as you're mapping out the scripts and the narrative structure, how you find the way in which you're going to flow between these different tones in a way where it never feels like you're taking us out of the story, but we're really just getting an added element to each of the scenes by playing around with different tones and voices. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the most important thing to hold on to is stakes. Like it can be funny, but you, the second it's not serious, the second that a bad stuff can't happen, then it becomes a comedy, which is what we don't want. But, mm-hmm. you know, life is everything, right? Tonally, life is tragedy, life is comedy, life is action and and adventure and, you know, everything. So it feels like audiences want to see that when they watch something. But you also want to give them something that they look forward to watching, right? Like, you know, I think that's the fun of the show is that it's a ride, right? It's escapist. And do, do bad things happen? hundred percent, you know, is there tragedy? Is there whatever? But at the same time, they're fun and you're totally on board. And, and you know, you know, Noah is so charming as, as sort of the lead of the show, taking us through it, that you're just all in with it. That's so great. And and Noah, in, in talking about playing Owen in the show, um, you know, at the beginning, he's he's someone who admittedly has always been the guy to roll into an exam at law school without studying, without preparing, but he's still always gotten by in the world. And then this is the first time that he's incredibly out of his depth. And, and because of that, he makes quite quick, quite impulsive decisions a lot of the time. But as he gets further entrenched, he does start to become more considered in certain moments. But equally, the impulsiveness still serves him very well in certain aspects and certain spaces. And so as you progress the character through the season, how did you find the spaces where you wanted him to become more considered and proactive in terms of the way that he's thinking about things, but also still allowing for that guttural instinct that he has that's always served him really well and where that would be a space that helps him through certain situations? Yeah, I think learning to differentiate when that that intuition and that impulsive, that guttural instinct is is uh uh advantage advantageous and not for him was kind of a big learning curve um he's just collecting data the entire time and he is a smart person a very smart person he wouldn't be able to have made it all the way to his position at the cia if he wasn't but his lack of, of experience is certainly something that he needs to reckon with um and and so i think for him it's a, it's actually, he, he's forced to become more considerate for his, to stay alive. Um, and that's, that's what you, you get to watch over the course of the series is a young man who, if he wasn't learning, he would have been dead by now. And everything that he learns is keeping him alive, but just barely by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and Laura, in the way that you've created Max as a character, we, we see her as both someone who is capable of, of extreme violence and yet also that has vulnerabilities that come to the surface, whether she wants them to or not at certain points. You know, for example, anytime anything to do with her daughter comes up, there, there's 
a shift in her as a character and it feels like the air in the room changes for her. Um, and so how did you work in in shaping a character as you were developing her at the beginning, even before going into filming, in a way that makes sure that it includes both of those facets and thinking about where would she allow her vulnerability to come to the surface? And, and even for someone as controlled as she is, where are those slight moments where it might come forward even if she doesn't intend for it to? Mm. Well, the 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 maybe the only similarity between Max and I is that we are both mothers. So I did hold on to the fact that she had gone through a pregnancy, had a child. She at some point felt maternal towards that child. So that was my that was my like hook arms, you know, like that was where we could link up me and Max. And then pretty much everywhere else, we're very vastly different. <laughs> um, and I was thinking about this that actually Max is she has certain emotions that are completely removed from her panel of emotions which kind of drive me throughout my life right whether that's sometimes they hinder me sometimes they help me but she doesn't have guilt she doesn't have fear she doesn't hold on to anxiety or worry or she has no inhibitions so she just kind of goes and plows through life and she's just got one eye on surviving and I think she did, and she doesn't. She, it, her emotions don't muddy those waters, so she can just drive through. Um, and so that you know, those that combination of person is really interesting. Was really interesting to me to play because the chink in her armor is the fact that she's got she's a mother. So I had that for free, but everything else I had to learn. <laughs> <laughs> And and Alexi as well, you know, one of the, one of the things that that you've done within the show is you've created this space where, especially because Noah's character is so fresh to the CIA, we literally meet him on his first week in the job, and he's come straight out of law school. That there's almost a lot of of workplace drama and workplace comedy elements that you're able to bring into the show, even just the fact that he doesn't know the dress code. He shows up in a suit and nobody even thinks to tell him. And and some of the ways that Lester and Violet, you know, try to to create systems where they can come out on top above him um, in the information they give him or don't. And so how did you want to also in essence, strip away the idea that it's the CIA and have these these elements at play for the audience that feel very relatable in terms of just a workplace drama and a workplace comedy at the same time that you have these larger-than-life thriller elements at play. Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that Adam Swarovski, who is an EP on the show, who was a lawyer at the CIA at the very beginning of his career, um, said to me was that <clears throat> the CIA is not sexy, it's the post office with secrets, which, A, is just a great figure of speech, but, but I just really embrace that because I mean, yes, there is a part of the CIA that does some crazy, you know, high tech, uh, very dangerous operations and stuff like that. But there's also a huge component of the CIA that is just a bureaucracy, right? It's an office building. There's the lawyers and there's, you know, um, security services and there's HR and there's all those things in there. And so the idea of taking somebody and putting them in that part of the world but yet he keeps get, getting pulled into the espionage side of the world was like a fish out of water story. And then just, you know, I mean, what I've said before to people is like, you know, nobody can be James Bond or Ethan Hunt or Jack Ryan. You know, none of us had that expectation, but everybody's had a first job. Everybody has gone to work at a place where you can't really trust your coworkers. And so that identifiable universal aspect of it was like a really fun way into the story. Yeah. 
And and Noah, with with Owen as well, there's a moment very early on in the show when he's first at the black site and it's it's the first time that he's placed in a space of danger and he very much gives up all of his internal self very quickly at that point. You know, he talks about, <laughs> he talks about the loss of his father and, and how ever since then he's been trying to, you know, fake his way through things and even entering into the CIA. He's worried that he doesn't really have the skills and ability to back up the confidence that he's presented in his life. And, and I thought that was such a, a telling detail about the character. And we really see that in the way that you play that throughout the season. And so how did you approach him in a way where ultimately, even with all of these external elements that he has to overcome, um, a lot of the show is also just about that journey of trying to overcome a lot of the imposter syndrome and a lot of the insecurities that he's always had within himself. I love that that's Owen's first ever therapy session. <laughs> that situation is his first ever therapy session. It also really gives away the fact that he's not a spy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he's like, take every single card. It's a 52 card deck and here's the Joker as well. You know, it's yeah. like... Um, so good. You know, I gotta, I, I gotta be honest, and I keep going back to this point. Alexi, you know, Alexi gave me so much in the writing. I really just had to show up and say the words and and be cognizant of of the work that you that Alexi had, had done. Um, it was so clear to me um, the character. That was why why I wanted to attach to it immediately as soon as I read the pilot. Um, it just it was so clear that Owen was this this young kid that wanted to prove himself that had all these insecurities that he was hiding with a bravado and and that he was smart and that he was capable and that he just didn't have the experience and I just wanted to push into that and play that as much as I could but really it was it was far more David Mamet than it was any other sort of method <laughs> or or technique it was really just show up say the words <laughs> and and Laura with with the the dialect and the voice of your character obviously you've you've created this Russian dialect but there's also an influence of the fact that she spent a lot of time in America so you've created this amalgamation version of an accent looking at the phrases and, and references that she makes culturally throughout the show um but then also going to the fact that that again there's that exertion of control it feels like the tone of your voice stays very specific as well um she doesn't really use the entire register tonally and so I was interested in in how you worked with a dialect coach not just in terms of of shaping the dialect and figuring out the specificity of that version of a Russian accent with the American influence but also where that that choice and that understanding of her not using her full tonal register came from as well. Mm. When I speak I speak much higher than Max does and I wanted to get her voice so it was really solid and really grounded and I didn't want it to be too sing-songy. I didn't want her to question ever what she was saying. Everything that came out of her mouth was considered, thought through and presented. Um, when I speak, at, literally as I'm speaking to you now, I'm questioning everything that I'm saying. <laughs> so there's a little voice in the back of my head going, that was silly, don't say that, don't talk like that. Max doesn't have that. So I really needed to hold on to this like straight line with her way of communicating. She's internet. She works internationally, so I knew that she had spent a lot of time in America. She was speaking seven or eight different languages. So um, I watched a lot of foreign film while I was um, in prep for Max. I watched a lot of um, Russian film. Jumped on YouTube. Was constantly having the Russian language around. You know, listening to videos and listening to radio shows, and so just had that sort of like. So I was getting in tune with the tonality and. And also it's not, it's not, there's a, a really specific melody there with women when they're speaking English 
Russian women when they're speaking English. It's a very particular melody. Um, again, not too sing-songy. It's, it's, it's strong and there's like a real through line to it. But I way prefer working in accent. I was just saying to Noah, mm. I, it's one of my, I, it's terrifying to me if someone says, just do your voice. <laughs> just do you. I'm like, what? oh my God, first of all, I need to know what it is. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I love working in accent. I love being given something that I can just fully dive into and, and transform into. Mm. Yeah. And and Alexi, in the in the writing of the show, and particularly with Max as a character, um, you know what works so well is the fact that we we never truly know where her intentions lie, and it's there's moments mm. where it feels like potentially she's being quite truthful, but we're never entirely sure. But then even for Owen, as he ends up further submerged in this world, there's we we take him on face value at the beginning of the show, and then there become moments where we're not entirely sure about what his intentions are as well, because there's a game at hand that he has to also enter into and play um and so how did you work to really make sure that in the writing of of all of the characters in the show that you always kind of created this slight unbalance for the audience that would continue to draw them in where we're never really sure where the truth lies and and did you always have the the understanding yourself of if you knew where the characters were being truthful versus where they weren't yeah i mean i think i know where everybody's coming from for the most part i mean even structurally the first episode is meant to make the audience reconsider what they're watching i mean you know the first 15 minutes or so you're introduced to Noah's character and he's out in the world and he's charming and you know it's funny and it's you know there's stakes still but then he goes to this black site in yemen and you know is like hey <laughs> and you know he gets assaulted and he gets tortured basically and interrogated and that was meant to sort of you come out of nowhere a little bit like yeah. you knew the audience you knew the show had stakes but you didn't know it was going to go there and so that was sort of the ethos of the show was that at any point anything could happen and a lot of that comes from characters being duplicitous and characters not being honest about what their what their intentions were and stuff like that and so that's why ultimately like the roommate situation was what grounded it all in a place of of comfort and safety i mean that was also a really important part of the show you had all the espionage stuff but then you had this kid who has roommates and one of them he used to be in a relationship with and probably should still be in a relationship with. And, you know, that moment in the first episode where he comes back from having that fingernail pulled out and climbs into bed and Terrence just climbs on top of him to give him a moment of humanity to me was really the thing that made the show special you know that 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 it, you know that would never happen in in you know mission impossible or jack ryan or anything like, like that moment of sort of like human connection that was honest sort of undercut and sort of held the difference between that and the rest of his world but in a way that you knew that he was safe or taken care of in that moment which was felt really nice mm -hmm. It it is. It's it's a really lovely moment in the in the show. And in Laura and Noah, it's it's really fun to watch the way that your characters are constantly trying to kind of play with each other. There's they're very cat and mouse, but they also switch kind of who has the upper hand a lot of times. At the very beginning, it's obviously Max, you know, even just the fact that when Owen first comes in and sits at the table, Laura, like you're you're kind of holding your body language over him to exert this control right from the very beginning or speaking very slowly so that he has to be drawn into your pace of rhythm um you know and then owen kind of starts to develop his own tricks as well and so how did the two of you always work in scenes together to make sure that there was always this this game at play even as they do end up in a space where there are moments where they have to let their guards down and allow themselves to trust each other to get out of situations it's still always that there's a game at hand for each of them in every moment 
Yeah, they're the two most unlikely people to spend that much time together. <laughs> but they need each other. She needs him, certainly. And um, so in the beginning, for sure, she's just casting her spell and working her magic over him to ultimately get what she wants. Um, and then, you know, he starts rising to the challenge and and challenging her. And so she needs to kind of, you know, navigate that with him. Uh, I think she probably thought it would be much easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think she probably thought it was just maybe two episodes worth. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, we go on this roller coaster of like, oh, why are you doing it like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, actually. That moment in the pilot where um you know, where they make the deal, right? Or at least start to make the deal. And and he gets it that, like, you, you thought it was Christmas Day when I walked in, right? Like a guy who doesn't even know how to work the copier. But I think that that she underestimates him, but ultimately along the way, he, she starts to really respect him. Yeah. She starts to really see that he, he... It's not that he's playing a part because he's not. I, I think Owen is always super genuine in who he is, but that there's a lot more depth there. There's a lot more intelligence there than maybe she sees because there's a, a guilelessness there. There's a there's an openness there, which she's so unused to in the world of yeah, espionage. It's a genuine, right? real human connection that she resists and and repels at times. But then, you know, you can't, she couldn't help but feel connected to him in a, in a really genuine human way. Which I don't think she's ever. I don't think she's ever experienced that sort of connection with somebody. And dangerous to her, right? Very dangerous. Yeah. And there's like a there's a there's the adjustment period for Owen as well because he's told you can't trust her, mm-hmm. right? And so he starts off trying to have this distance, but then as the series progresses and the relationship deepens with with Max, he feels responsible for her as well because he he he's not a spy. He's not trained to cut that off and to be duplicitous um and so i think i think he, fi- he he's kicking himself because he finds himself wanting to engage and wanting to take care of you and and want eric i guess max and continue to expl- to to deepen that relationship but then it just gets him into hotter and hotter water mm-hmm. so it's this weird and he just Max just wields the power over him too, which is hilarious because they need each other. But it's all—it's almost like Max is always wearing the pants, even though Owen is trying to wear the pants. Right? Yeah. I mean that—that that was leverage. And when you start t- talking earlier, sort of about duplicity and stuff like that, leverage is at the heart of the show, right? And so, you know, I mean, Terrence says to you early on, knowledge is leverage, right? And so. You know, the idea that once the CIA decides <clears throat> they want to put her back in the field, she has the leverage because she's important, right? She's an asset. They need her to get close to this Russian general. He's a lawyer. There's a thousand of them graduating from law school every five minutes. So like that, that unbalance of power is something that he's having to fight against at every moment. Like it's why when he shows up at the hotel in Phoenix and she's like, get us a suite. And he's like, we're going to the day's end. She wins that because she has the leverage there. And so that was really fun. I assume it was fun to play that sort of character who just is always on his heels, but yet manages to end up on top. It's great. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on the show and thank you so much for talking about it. Really appreciate all of your time today. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you.